indefensible, undeniably cataclysmic two losses in the series without Luka Doncic. It is 2-1. Jazz trail the series against the Mavericks, and we're talking about it here with ESPN's Tim McMahon on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, NMLS 3112, equal housing lender. This is Blueprint Game. This is where you have the entire foundation right on the line, and their desperation needs to kick in because this 2-1 deficit isn't going to fix itself. And I've got the numbers that I want to bring up with Tim that you'll hear in just a second. 30 minutes on the playoffs, the Western Conference, who we like, who could make it out. But I think it's pretty simple for Utah. We talked about an entire year. Perimeter defense, them not being good enough. And saying, fix it, just have to be tighter. Saying it's one thing, doing it's another. And you've seen too many times that Rudy is put into impossible situations. I'm amazed uh, smart basketball people still are confused with Rudy and how they think three greater than two why is Rudy sagging off the three-point line and not giving up a dunk over what he's doing I think it's pretty simple point expectancy for a layup higher than a three-point shot gonna hit a three-point shot at what 35 40 percent a layup's a 90 percent shot that's it you have to stop the layups over the threes and this team last year against the Clippers weren't able to do it this year through three games have been able to do it it has to go back to that game one standard of defense that Utah showed it was Rudy's best game he was dominant it was a first round of the Eastern Conference in the 90s but this is it there's no sugarcoating what they've put themselves in without Luka you have to win games it's why I picked them in six And now that looks very tenuous. Losing a game three, losing a game five, pivotal games, sets you up for very difficult series the rest of the way. Because now they have to win three out of four. It's a math problem. We get to reintroduce one of my favorite words, the English language. only happens during playoffs. Stave. Stave in season. Down three games to two, three games to one. You win that game. You stave. We don't use it any other time. This is the moment that it comes out. So, no sugarcoating it. You'll enjoy Tim McMahon. He is the best. Covers this team in this region for ESPN. He's on weekly in the area. And we get into the series. First three games. In between a very pressure-packed one. Coming up on Saturday. Enjoy the real talk. It's Tim McMahon, ESPN. Jazz need is to figure out is there anybody on the roster who has any hope of guarding Jalen Brunson um, you know Jalen Brunson is making himself a lot of money in this series a guy going into unrestricted free agent and I think that uh, he, he's showing that he's not just a nice complimentary player but he can be a lead guard I mean this is a dude who what a great time for him to have the first consecutive 30 plus point performances of his career and not just consecutive 30-plus point performances, but efficiently he has committed a turnover over those two games. That is singular, one over two games. 
Uh, for the series, he's shooting 51% overall, 40, 41% from three. And it's not like the Mavericks are running complicated stuff. It's basically spread the floor out, play one-on-one. Hey, Donovan, can you stay in front of him? No. How about how about you, Royce O'Neal? No. Uh, you can elbow him from behind, but you can't stay in front of him. Um, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, who, who wants to take a turn? Because Brunson is just torching all of them. And it's it's a rough watch if you're a Jazz fan, I'm sure. We can take it from all angles, the offense, the defense. Let's start with the defense first because that has stood out with the way that they've defended Brunson. It's not like the Jazz get turnovers in and of themselves during the regular season when they're playing defense, but combine that with the fact that they're picking the ball up out of the basket, they can't get yeah. any transition. They can't get any opportunities for their easy shots and their transition threes. Well, and that, and that the, I think the biggest – Stat in this series has been the three-point disparity. Yep. And and it's, it's real simple. Jason Kidd even said it after game two. We're playing their game, and we feel like we have the advantage. The Mavericks are playing the style the Jazz want to play, and they're not letting the Jazz play that style. And when the Mavericks have had – I didn't check post-game, but at halftime last night, the Mavericks had taken more uncontested threes – and the Jazz had taken threes overall. Jazz had nine threes at halftime last it's night. It's insane. And that's what they are. They've been the number one offense in the league this year. And because they are a an efficient, high-volume three-point shooting team. And a lot of that stuff, it, it's out of the blender. It's out of transition. It's out of pick and roll. The Mavericks have, have made it difficult for them to get those looks up while they've also been able to really take uh, Rudy Gobert out as far as a, a, a lob threat. You know, he hasn't gotten going at all this year. And so it, give the Mavericks credit. That's really difficult take away both of those things because usually if you do one, it opens up the other. They have forced the Jazz to, to you know, operate in large part as a mid-range team. And we all know uh, that's not the way that they want to play. And, and very few, you know, unless you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, no team wants to play that way. 22 29, 28, three-point attempts for the Utah Jazz in these games so far. It's not going to be enough for them. And it's been a credit to what Jason Kidd, and I've heard you mention Sean Sweeney, their defensive coordinator, the turnaround from last year to this year. What were they, 21st last season to now being a top 10 defense? Right. What's been the... The transformation that they've undergone. Certainly, you've got to give the coaching staff a lot of credit. Uh, schematically, psychologically, the fact that they've got these guys to really buy in. The Mavericks think of themselves as a good defensive team. Now, they take pride in being a good defensive team. I think Dorian Finney-Smith, and you heard Donovan Mitchell you know, talk about this early. 29% he's shooting with Dorian Finney-Smith on him. Yeah, and Dorian Finney-Smith is a guy who – a lot of people don't necessarily know about him. He's one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. You know, he's he's a six foot eight, more athletic version of Royce O'Neal when Royce is playing well. <clears throat> Has not been in the series. Um, and then you know, subtle things and and these things matter when you're when you're a playoff team trying to figure out for you know in the Mavericks case trying to figure out how do we get past the first round. Haven't done that with this group. These kind of lower-profile summer signings matter a lot, and Reggie Bullock has been a really good one for them. They spent the mid-level on him, um, and, you know, he's not, a, he's not a prolific scorer. He's a very limited offensive player. He's either going to shoot the three or, or, or move the ball. He's, he's, you don't want him dribbling. He, he's 
not a finisher around the paint, but he's the epitome of a 3 and D guy, and he's really helped them because now they have, with Bullock and Finney Smith, they've got two guys who are capable of, of guarding you know, really good offensive players and, and are very versatile in who, who they can guard. Finney Smith can go one through four, sometimes even five. Uh, Bullock, you know, one through three very comfortably, sometimes four. And in, in this particular series, Bullock, uh, I think you've got to give him credit for Mike Conley never really getting comfortable. Mike Conley's game two, it was 0 for 7. He was able to bounce back a little bit in game three with 21 points. But still continuing on this defensive stretch for what the Mavericks have been doing, the other thing that you have to point to is that Utah's been turning the ball over a bunch during this series. Yeah, and you know that, some of that's just sloppiness. Some of that is forcing them to – yeah, to to play in the half court and, and and not get out in transition, really have to to grind things out. Um, you know, Maxi Kleb is a guy we haven't hit on. He's been a huge, huge, huge part of this series. His impact's been massive, and the focus has been on his shooting. He's just gotten it's 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 really kind of comical because he was in an extended funk the the last two months of the regular season. He was dealing with a sore ankle for a lot of that time shot less than 19% from three-point range, then boom, here's an 8 of 11 for you in uh, in game two. I think, what, he end up four or five uh, in, in game three, something yep. along those lines. But what, what Maxi as a shooting threat does for them is they can play that five-out style that we all know that's the way teams have picked apart the Jazz. Hey, Rudy, can you protect the rim and get out to the three-point line? Oh, that's impossible. There's going to be – a lot of dribble penetration, you're going to have problems. It's going to create layups and open threes. And then if Maxi's the five in those situations, then the Mavericks can do that and still be a very good defense team, but a really good defensive lineup. You know, it's funny. We talk about, hey, maybe maybe the Jazz found something with that small ball lineup. And we know Quinn doesn't want to do that. The, the results, when you look at the full season sample size, have been ugly for the Jazz. But they had some success with it last night. You know what else happened there? Maxi picked up his fifth foul. Mm-hmm. They had to put Bertons in the game. Yep. And suddenly, oh, there's a defense. There's a guy that we can target. Bertons walks in and he's got, you know, it's like a, a, a neon bullseye on his chest. And so, again, Maxi's ability to play big minutes and really uh, shoot the heck out of the ball. Obviously, there's a major offensive uh, impact there, but more so to me. They can play really good defense with those lineups. 83-67 when Eric Paschal entered the game in game three, 533 left. He went plus 12 at his minutes. And I know you, you saw the conversation online turn to Rudy Gobert and, yeah. and how effective he is on the floor. This is not sustainable for an entire game for the Jazz if they go small. It, they no. can't defend. It would be all offense. And even when Quinn went back to it in the fourth quarter, he knew he couldn't survive the rest of the game with Eric Pascal as the center. Yeah, and you know, I, I think it was a it was kind of a desperation it was, move yeah. that that paid dividends. Uh, again, caught the Mavericks off guard a little bit. They hadn't seen it. They hadn't probably prepared for it a whole lot. Um, the the I, I really do think if Maxie's on the floor, it's it's yeah. not it's it's not the same type of thing. But there is a Big samples, not that big. There's a season's worth of sample size 
on the jazz playing small, whether it's Pascal, Rudy Gay, you know, whatever you want to talk about. There's a reason it's not that large of a sample size because it's enough to where Quinn Snyder does not. He's seen enough to know that ain't it. Maybe it can be a surprise, you know, uh, change up in an A game, but you are not winning this series without Rudy Gobert being a dominant force. And look, what's the one game the Jazz won? Game one, and he was awesome. Yeah. He was amazing who, in game one. Yeah, he, he didn't score from the floor, but he was the best player on the floor. Yep. 17 rebounds, three blocks, just shut everything down in the paint. Now, that also happens to be the one game this series where Jalen Brunson didn't shoot it well. <laughs> and if you're the I, I promise you this, the Mavericks are looking at the same. And Jalen. Jalen said it after game one. This isn't, hey, he's gotten hot now. I can, you know, he said if I shoot the ball well, we win that game. So the Jazz really, you know, they've they've got a lot of things to figure out, and Luca might be on the floor game four. You know, to be determined, but he's close. He's played five on five the last couple of days. Uh, he's moving around. He's not physically limited. And at this point, the Mavericks just have to figure out, you know, is is it worth the risk, and how much risk is there? Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jets. Do they even need him? I don't know that they need – I don't – honestly, I don't think they need him to win this series. They need him if they're going to make a deep run. And listen, Luka might come back and be rusty. Luka might come back and, you know, have an uh, uh, an, an 8 for 24 type of game and, and commit six turnovers. And, you know, his return might not be an immediate boost to the Mavericks. <laughs> you know, if you're searching for silver linings, uh, you know, from the, from the Jazz perspective um, – Having said all that, typically I feel like guys who are capable of 40-point triple-doubles on any given night are going to make their team better. And the one thing I'll say about Luka, um, the Mavericks have not gotten out of the first round with him, but there is no doubt this dude's a playoff performer. I mean, he's his career playoff average, 13 games, I think is 33.5 points. It's been efficient. Um, you know, he's at a 43-point triple-double where he hit a step-back three at the buzzer to win it. I mean, the guy has been absolutely phenomenal in the little taste of the playoffs that he's had so far, and uh, he's got a massive appetite for more. Five 40-point games in the playoffs for Luka, and he had a 39 spot on the Clippers yeah. in those two series that he's got. And, and look, and it's not just NBA playoffs. The guy loves the yeah. big stage. You know, he did it uh, in, in EuroLeague with Real Madrid. You know, Slovenia won – a Eurobasket title, which is a huge deal. You know, it's like Rhode Island winning a freaking uh, national championship in, in you know, North Texas. In North eight. Texas winning a championship. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about states. I'm trying to put okay. it in perspective from right. states. You know, Slovenia is like the Rhode Island of uh, okay. of, of Europe. Um, this guy loves the big stage. Loves the pressure uh, of the playoffs. Of you know, win or go home type situations. Um, so. You know, could he come back rusty? Sure. Uh, you know, do the Jazz want to see him on the floor for game four? Absolutely not. 
can this series get back to that game one or even the results that we saw during the regular season, those middle games that actually were indicative of what these two teams are, not the injury-riddled games uh, on Christmas or the last meeting that was supposed to be the biggest meeting between these two, and and Rudy wasn't there, so it wasn't a full outfit. Can it return to those two middle games? I mean, go ask the Jazz. You know, are, are, I'm asking. Are, We're are, all asking. Are, are they willing to go out in game four and play like not just their seasons on the line, but frankly, that this chapter of Jazz history is on the line? That, that they need to have that kind of urgency, that kind of desperation, that kind of effort. They can't have any, uh, this possession, I might not try that hard defensively. I'm a little tired type of situations. Um, because I, I, frankly, I think all of those things of like, if they lose game four at home, it's three, one, you know, they're wasting, they're wasting jet fuel going to Dallas for game five. Okay. And I think we all understand that a brief, ugly exit against a team that was missing its superstar for most of the series in the first round. I think we understand the kind of ramifications that can have for this franchise. So what was... What did it in? Is it the fact that they're so stylistically tied to one one area? They have no flexibility with the small ball center. They, what went wrong in the construction of the team to where they're at right now? Yeah, I think that awful perimeter defense is always going to be difficult to overcome. Just not a lot schematically you can do. And, you know, save as Rudy can get you a, a decent defense in the regular season. I think we've seen a pretty strong sample size that it's not enough against playoff teams. It's not enough in, in, in playoff series. And, you know, there, there are some bad breaks that they didn't, things didn't necessarily go their way. Donovan playing on one leg in last year's playoffs, Conley's hamstring. You know, of course, Clippers got a, a, a worse break with Kawhi Turner's ACL. They reel off four straight. But you know, it feels like last year was really the Jazz's year where they had a legit championship chance and it just didn't happen. Best record in the regular season. You know, the chemistry, I think, was as good as it's been over the last few years. And then this year, it just hasn't felt right all year. Even when they were winning games, it didn't feel right. And, you know, Joe Ingles uh, tearing his ACL was a huge blow. Um, you know, the, the trade of him just not even having his presence around kind of as a, as a connector in the locker room, as a guy who, frankly, would speak straight uh, to guys in that locker room. I do think that's missed. Um, but, you know, sometimes teams can be really good and just not be good enough. You know, the, the, the Lob City Clippers are a recent example. Um, the, the, there's plenty of others where at some point you're, you're not changing the ending of the story and it's just time to, to uh, you know, close the book. Well, and that's why it's so frustrating, I'm sure, for Jazz fans, for people watching this team year after year. Perimeter defense not being good enough. Rudy being put in the, his impossible situation. And the thing about Rudy, I'm sure you know this from, from talking to him, he's so stubborn that he'll keep doing it. He'll keep trying to do this impossible thing and go for these playoff battles when he knows... He's not getting as much help uh, defensively on these games. Yeah, and listen, the, the the flip side of that is they've also not figured out, like, <clears throat> okay, if teams are going to go small, 
how can we punish them for that? They, yeah. they, they've not figured that out. And Rudy's never going to be a, a post-up guy. They ran a post-up for him in game two, and it's just like, what's going on here? This is not it. Um, and I don't want to get into the whole how often they pass to him, you know, chicken and egg, of how does he handle those situations. But um, they just not have not figured out how do they punish teams for playing small on the other end. And so it's a – you know, I, it might be too late. If, if they haven't figured it out yet, I don't know if they, that answer is coming. Whoever advances in this series, they're going to be taking on Phoenix, New Orleans. It seems to me like it's running through Phoenix and what they do. How do you think that Booker injury affects their prognosis in the next round? Could be pretty interesting. Huge question mark. And, you know, hamstrings aren't any fun. Uh, you can ask Mike Conley about that. And Booker is a guy who's had a history now of some hamstring trouble. I, th- I, th- I think it's pretty difficult to envision him being ready for the start of next series. Um, how long is he out? We'll see. I, I, I did feel going into this that the Jazz, I'm sorry, that the Suns weren't just the favorite, but the clear-cut favorite. They were by far the best team in the NBA this season. Um, you know, coming off of the finals berth last year, the young guys obviously got not just playoff experience, but they know how to win in the playoffs. They, they, they're they proven. They have playoff pedigree now. Uh, Chris Paul obviously uh, has had a lot of bad breaks. This is like the 100th bad break, either him getting hurt or, a, you know, a co-star getting hurt in the playoffs for him in his career. Um, so that because of the uncertainty on Booker, that it's really tough to project. Uh, having said all that, it'd be hard for me to pick against the Suns. And I, I, I give the Pelicans credit because um, even in that game two, you know, it's a close game, five minutes left, Chris Paul's healthy. And typically close game, Chris Paul, you're cooked. And the Pelicans pulled it out. Brandon Ingram's playing great. Uh, C.J. McCollum's playing great. It's a shame that they don't have, I don't know, a potential generational superstar to kind of – you know, spearhead that thing. Maybe they, they they could find one of those guys who can do like 360 degree dunks when in, in windmills, but can't play playoff games. It's interesting, um, but I do think it'll be Suns. And then I I think because of Booker's injury that that the West now once again does feel wide open. Are you thinking about a little bit more with seeing the pool party going off in Golden State? Certainly the war. And look, <clears throat> you go back to the first whatever, month, month and a half of the season, people felt like it was the Warriors' title, like like it was the Warriors' year again, right? That's when it, Clay wasn't there, but Draymond was was completely healthy. Steph was, you know, looking like the MB, MVP. He was the early MVP favorite, the way he played. You know, Jordan Poole was, was hooping. Now they've got Clay back in the mix. You know, Steph's ramping up, but he's ramping up by t- lighting the world on fire off the bench. Uh, Poole is looking like a guy who – you know, they're, he's going to be expensive when he comes up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a hooper. I mean, he, he's he's a big-time scorer. Clay's fitting in his role. You know, Wiggins, he was the fifth-best starter on the All-Star team and the fifth-best starter on the Warriors. If Booker's healthy, I still think the Suns are the favorite. Um, when and if we get to a Warriors-Suns Western Conference Finals, we'll see if he's healthy. Uh, if he's not, I think it, the Warriors would, would be favored there, and, and the Warriors might be good enough to, to roll through anyway. I was in on the Warriors from that first month, <clears throat> a team that I trust 
uh, a bunch of pieces that have that championship pedigree. Yep. That's what put it over the top for me. The Steph injury got me reeling back. Mm-hmm. But watching this first round series where Draymond's playing at yep. the best postseason defender that I've ever seen, I'm starting to starting to believe in, in Golden State and what they do. There's basically been three editions of the Warriors this season. Steph and Draymond, both healthy. Wow. <laughs> right? Uh, Draymond, not healthy. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Steph, not healthy. Eh. They're both healthy. Wow. <laughs> right? It's that, it's that simple. When those two guys are healthy, uh, the fact that Clay is, is, is back and contributing is a bonus at this point. Uh, Poole's been awesome. They're a dominant defensive team who have, you know, three guys, really four if you want to count Wiggins, who can get you 30 any given night. And I, and really with Steph, once his minutes are up, you expect 30 every night. And even when they were going through that ooh period, that, that bad stretch, handing the keys to Poole is helping him now. Yeah. It's helping him in his role that he's able to – do the Steph things when Steph wasn't there. Yeah, they, they've got two guys who look like, you know, hey, those are legitimate go-to guys. And then they've got one of the best non-scorers, one of the best offensive non-scorers in the league. Draymond is a phenomenal passer. Draymond is a great screener. Their offense benefits immensely from having Draymond in the mix. You want to back off Draymond because you want to dare him to shoot threes? You know what he's going to do? He's going to figure out a way to get one of his teammates a wide-open three while his man's sitting there in the paint, and he's doing some sort of uh, dribble handoff to, to, to spring Steph or Clay or Jordan Poole. Like, they're so hard to guard when Draymond is healthy. And the other thing that they're doing is they're getting stops and running. So, I mean, just because Draymond doesn't score doesn't mean he's not an impactful offensive player. His passing is so crucial. Oh, he's a phenomenal so passer. crucial because he's a supercomputer. He he knows exactly the right basketball play to make every every time down the floor and as long as he's not kicking somebody in the nuts, they they're fine. You know, they they can they can have playoff success if if Draymond isn't isn't doing the act. We we, we call those cojones. Yeah. Oh, that's I forgot who I'm with. Cojones factor player of the week. Another team that you follow fairly frequently. Memphis. Yeah, and you know what? Um, I need to try to squeeze in time to go back and watch their game. Obviously, I, I, I saw little bits and pieces, um, but I was at the, uh, the the Jazz Mavs game, so wasn't able to watch. But what a crazy comeback! Um, and boy, that series just so, both those—they're probably the two most smack-talking teams in the league. Although the Suns don't sleep on them. Um, but these are two teams who haven't accomplished anything in the playoffs and both, you know, get a lot of swagger, a lot of barking. And I don't know how the Timberwolves come back from that. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Carl Anthony Towns, you know, he's he's mic'd up, you know, talking on the pin. We in Minnesota now. <laughs> John Morant postgame quote tweets that. We in Minnesota now. <laughs> we in Minnesota now. And then – Towns was terrible during the game and just as bad in the press conference. Yeah. You know, hey, you only got four shots. You're probably going to be a, an all-NBA center this year. This is, you're probably going to take that from Rudy this year. You got four shots in this game as, you know, you're the go-to guy on the team. Four shots. Playoff game. And situationally, he's taking <clears throat> terrible fouls. And, and, and so they ask him, what, you know, what do they do to make it so tough on you? Next question? No. 
And then how do you bounce back from this? Go home and drink some wine? <sighs> Tell you what, if Towns doesn't come with it in game four, he's already got a reputation as a – and I thought this year he started to get past the empty stats mm-hmm. rep. But if, if this is a wipeout series for him, it ain't going to be pretty. Memphis as probably the league leader in talking in the entire – Oh, we can cuss league. on here? I can edit it out. Don't worry. <laughs> but them talking up and down, doing it to LeBron, doing it to the Lakers on LA's home floor. It's an easy team to root for if you're just a neutral to look at the Memphis Grizzlies and the way that they they're play. fun. They're fun. And I did a, I did a story on them mid season, just about, you know, they're, they're drippy as, as job mm-hmm. put it to me. And I had to, I did look it up to make sure I had the full understanding, but they, it fits. They are they are young. They're fun. They're athletic. They get out and run. Jaws a, a highlight machine. You know they think they're really good, and they express that quite frequently, and uh, you know, <laughs> in, in very entertaining fashion. Uh, you know, Jaws quote about uh, we don't duck no smoke. We run up the chimney. Well, they're all up in, in the Timberwolves chimney right now, baby. You had them buried. I mean, well, I don't know what the biggest lead in that game was, but I think it was like 75 or something. Yes. And they storm back and snatch your soul on your home floor. Wow. No timeouts, too. The the screen cap where it showed that the Timberwolves didn't take a timeout during that run. Yikes. Yikes. If I'm looking at that. Vibes are okay in Memphis? I, I think the vibes are pretty good, and, and it's interesting because, you know, you talk about playoff adjustments. They've made a huge adjustment. They basically said, Stephen Adams, you've been great for us all year. We love you. You know, put on your, your warm-up shirt and cheer. Um, because it was just a tough match. Cat was a tough matchup for him. And, you know, I, I think to Stephen Adams' credit, he's a guy who's like, listen, we win, I'm good. And he's not, you know, he's not a guy whose ego, I don't know if, if he has any ego whatsoever. He's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's a unique bird, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's been an, an, an interesting dynamic, but, uh, I would say the vibes are really, really good after that win for the Grizz. What are you looking forward to on uh, game four coming up tomorrow? Well, you know, obviously the biggest question is, are we going Luka. to see Luca? And, you know, for selfish entertainment reasons, I would love to see Luca play basketball. He's, he's really fun to watch. Um, it's, I think he goes. I'm not quite sure. By the time people mm-hmm. listen to this, we'll, we'll, we'll know one way or another. But the other thing that I want to see is, okay, Jazz, are you gonna are you gonna put up a fight? Like, don't don't tell me, hey, wow, what character we we made a comeback in the third quarter after embarrassing ourselves and getting booed at, at the half. You don't have time mm-hmm. to decide at some point. Oh, wow, we got a play with the sense of desperation. This era of jazz basketball is on the line in game four. Play like it. I want to see that. I want to see that kind of fight. This is it. This is like watching one of those regular season games for the Heat in 2011. When, they, when they're losing games, every, every single game is the most important one in the entire world. It's back to like desperation basketball mm-hmm. that I grew up with watching. The fact that the framework's on the line – I hope we see it. I hope we get to see some pretty intense playoff basketball because the crowd was ready last night. It was completely packed and ready to go to pop off, but they didn't have exactly what they needed. 
No, no. And listen, nobody wants to see non-competitive series. Make it a series. You've got your chance Saturday afternoon. ESPN's Tim McMahon. You know him. You love him. He's on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Tim, thanks so much. Adios, amigos. Thank <laughs> you.